0: Morning. There we go, Hallelujah. there we go, that's what I wanted to hear, that's really what I wanted to hear. Hey everybody, my name is Deshaun, uh, otherwise known as Dish by uh, the few and maybe some of the many who, who love me and, uh, and, and are part of Third Street here. You can feel free to call me Dish if this is your first time ever seeing me, it's okay. Um, even my mom calls me Dish, which is uh, interesting, I love it. Uh, so uh, we are continuing in this series, On the Way. Everybody say, On the Way. On the way. On the way to what? On the way where? Who is on the way? What's on the way? Last week, Rev kind of started us off on this Advent series, uh, and as J.D. talked about, what Advent is is a preparation. It's anticipation. It's we're getting ready for something, right? Advent actually means the waiting. We're waiting, right? So we're on the way. Something's on the way, but what exactly is it? And Rev talked about God's house being on the way. God's people being on the way. Now we're already in a season of expectation right? Uh, every, everybody's expecting something, everybody's waiting for something preparation every, everything that you look in, in, in the stores everywhere you go tells you you're not ready right? Who's, who's already like purchased everything for Christmas the house is already decorated the cookies are baked the family is conveniently invited. The ones you don't want are conveniently uninvited. Amen. Right? Oh, you laugh because it's true, right? Yeah. Everybody is in a season of preparation. People are telling you, hey, you're not ready yet. You got to get this gift. You got to get this system. You got to get this toy. You're not ready yet. You got to hurry up and get ready. Now, before you tune me out, before you like, all right, he's going to come after my consumerism, going to call out my, you know, my lack of true faith. It's going to call out the fact that I like to get gifts and I like to buy expensive things. So what? Mm -hmm. Just bear with me because I'm part of the problem too. I too have uh, forgotten. Is Is there children in the room that might have the elf on the shelf destroyed? No? Okay. I too have forgotten to put out the elf on the shelf. Right? I, too, have bought some gifts and, and will eventually wrap them when my wife says it's time to wrap the gifts on Christmas Eve, right? I, too, have gotten caught up in this season, right? We, we get caught up into it. We, we, we forget that there's a deeper meaning behind why we're celebrating this season. There's a deeper meaning behind why we set up these candles and we have these trees and we have these songs and we have these things set up like Advent. We forget That there's something that's on the way. There's someone that's on the way. What if? What if instead of compressing everything, all this time that we have, we compress it into into little chunks and we say, we got to get this done right now. What if instead we worship together, Uh whether you agree on like the date? Oh, you know, well, Christmas wasn't really a Christian date, it was a pagan, this and that, whether you agree, oh, Jesus wasn't really born on December 25th, he, you know, I mean, so they can't really tell when he, whether you agree on any of those things, or we mesh on any of this, what if we came together and said we're going to celebrate the arrival of something that transformed the course of human history? Come on now. What if we came together like we just did when the worship team was up here, just going in the spirit. The spirit was, it's thick in this place. The worship team team was not rushed. The worship team wasn't hurried. There was people dancing. There was people screaming and shouting and raising their hands. What if that's the attitude we had this entire season of anticipation, of preparation, that something better than what we knew is on the way. What if that was what our focus was on, rather than being stressed out about getting that perfect gift from Amazon because they deliver 24 hours after you order it, and it's so hard to to not click yes on that same-day delivery. What if that was our focus instead, though? I'm about to be worshiping the entire season of Christmas because it's about Jesus, not about these traditions, these holidays, because something or someone is on the way. Everybody say, on the, on the way. Now, if you're here today and you're not sure about any of this, you, you've just happened to come here because somebody invited you or you were curious and you're like, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing. I'm, I'm really not sure if this is what's in it for me or maybe you've been a believer and you're, and you know, I've been thinking about it and reading, I hear these things in the culture and being told that, man, some of it might not be true, or I'm not, I can't put my hope in it, or, you know, well, maybe God's, you know, he's, he's outside of these constraints of the Bible, you know, we can't really know. Maybe that's where you are, and your faith is a little shaky. I want you to keep listening, because the Holy Spirit's at work here. Clearly, the Holy Spirit's already here. We don't have to invite him here. He's already here. We need to prepare our hearts to be ready to receive what he has for us, because the Savior is on the way. Something better is on the way. So, like I said, Ryan, or Rev, as he's more affectionately known, um, started this Advent series last week by talking about God's house is on the way. God's house, the church, represents the hope that we have for our future in heaven. We, collectively, as the church, represent what it will look like, just catch this, now you you're not quite catching this. We, we represent what it will look like to be in the presence of God together for eternity. That's what the church's purpose is. The church's purpose is to represent the future kingdom that we will experience together in heaven. Amen? So if that's, if that's the case, are we representing the kingdom correctly? Are we representing the kingdom truly? That's what Ryan talked about last week. When we see it like in Revelation 7.10, in one of my favorite passages, one of the favorite passages we talk about here at 3rd Street. Revelation 7.10, there's a vast crowd shouting, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne uh-huh. and from the Lamb. Salvation comes from God. The best part about that passage, if you read back a little bit, is it talks about there was a diverse crowd, a multitude that was too numerous to count, from all nations, all shouting out in unison salvation comes from our God and from the Lamb. Yes. Now, to get a picture of what that might look like, and I'll get into the word here in just a little bit. I'll get into the main passage. But to get a picture of what that might look like, how many of you guys remember what happened in 2016 that was of great consequence uh, that was a sports-related event that, uh, yeah, thank you, DJ. You, you get me. <laughs> Anybody who understands or follows basketball, some of you may not. I might lose you here, but just follow with me. In 2016, a kid from Akron, right? Okay, come on, guys. A kid from Akron, Ohio, did the impossible. He took a shameful and absolutely despicable franchise like the Cleveland Cavaliers Sorry for you diehard Cleveland fans. <laughs> he led them to a championship. The unimaginable had happened. What? Cleveland? A champion? The, the city that once had a river that was burning, literally, because it had so much pollution in it? That city? Champions? What? That's not fair. It's true. It's just fact. Look it up. A community that had once seen some of the worst and most embarrassing statistics when it came to poverty crime economic disparity was lifted up to the status of city of champions now after that championship after that run there was a parade that was held in the city downtown cleveland show of hands who who happened to go to that parade okay so you know what i you know what i'm about to get to there was this parade that happened in the city and it was amazing and what me being the responsible employee that i am i went to my boss i said hey karen Listen, and she already knew what I was going to say before I even said it. She's like, Deshaun, just go ahead and take the day. Praise God. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. You're a real one, Karen. Thank you. I was able to convince my boss to take the day off, and we went up there, and I went with my brothers-in-law, and my my father-in-law had to drop us off because you could not get into the city. There was buses that were shuttling people in because the city was completely packed, there was no way you could get in or out. We actually saw people trying to get to work and be frustrated, turn around and go home because there was, what am I doing? I'm just going home. It was too packed. There was too many people. Uh-huh. There was old, there was young, there was black, there was white, there was Latino, there was Asian, there was people from all nations in the city, packed, celebrating. Yes. Old, young, babies. Yes, even babies. Against the better judgment, people brought babies in strollers trying to get through this crowd. Who does that? A true champion, somebody who's a true fan does that, and also an irresponsible parent. It was absolute pandemonium, and when the champions came through, ooh, we waited for like 3 hours in this one spot. It was farther along in the parade route than, you know, the smart people who went to the beginning and they could just go home before the crowds. We went to the end thinking it would be more fun, but the crowd, the crowds were wild and, and when, the, when the when the cars came through, they had to move people out of the streets. J.R. Smith was standing there with his shirt off like he always was. And the the place went nuts. People were taking selfies there was people lifting their kids up to see the champions. There was constant celebration the whole way down, even after they passed and went on. The crowds followed them into the square. Now, if you're not a sports fan, you don't, you're like, what? Who? I, that doesn't make sense, but catch this. When I was in that crowd, after that, I, I thought back to this passage in Revelation 7.10. And I thought about what it would look like. Is, is that maybe just a slice? Are we, we're missing the point, but is that a slice of what it will look like when we are in the presence of the Savior, when the Savior returns, when he comes back and, and there's old and there's young and there's, there's, there's babies, yes, even babies there. And we're worshiping and we're lifting children up to say, look at the Savior. Look at him. He's right there. Let's worship him. That's what I'm talking about. That's good stuff, is that maybe what we're waiting for? Yes. Is that maybe what we get to experience? Now, the funny thing is, after that championship parade, you don't know what happened. The king, <laughs> the savior, moved on to sunnier cities. He's ruling a different kingdom, and he's trying to bring a championship somewhere else. And guess what happened to the city of champions? Uh-huh. Well, They're like dead last in the east, <laughs> and the poverty, and the crime. And the disparity and and the discord has not really been altered that much. You see, this was something that was a temporary championship. This was a temporary elevation. This was a glimpse of maybe what it's like to be a true champion, right? But when we experience the Savior, the true champion, the King who returns in fullness at the end of all time, there will not be any more poverty. There will not be any more discord. There will not be any more going back to being the loser again. There is only elevation forever, eternal. So, when I'm saying the Savior is on the way, I need somebody to feel me that the Savior is on the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, today, how many of you know that you need a Savior? You first got to know that you need a Savior to really have any impact for the Savior being on the way. The Savior's on the way. Well, I don't really think I need a Savior, so he can come. I don't really care. Do you need a Savior? Somebody say, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Everybody can say it. It's okay. You don't have to be shy. Somebody say, "I I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Whether you believe it or not, the fact is God is actively pursuing you. God is at, whether you believe in God or not, God believes in you and he's pursuing you. And he wants you to be a part of that multitude too vast to count, eternally worshiping him. And he wants to rescue you from the daily consequences of your sin, daily, and the eternal consequences of your sin. It's not just about, man, I really got to get through this season. Yes, Jesus is is about that. The Savior wants to rescue you from that, but he wants to rescue you from the eternal consequences of your sin. So, some 2,000 years ago, how did this all start? Some 2,000 years ago, a Jewish baby was born to a mid-teen woman, unmarried, engaged to be married, and her fiancé, freaking out, because that was a socially, you just don't do that. You were banished from the community. Born to this couple that was perplexed, unsure of what was going to happen next. Didn't mean to rhyme, that was really good. Born in this likely, what was likely a dark cave. Right? We, we see these nativity scenes. And the fact of the matter is, what was a manger was really more like a cave. It was hollowed out. And then they they carved out these troughs for the animals to come and feed and drink. And so that's where we see our Savior, the Messiah, who's on the way coming into the world. That's how he enters into this reality. That's how he enters into the world. It was not an entrance that was fit for a king. But guess what? God does not, he is not constrained by our expectations. God is not constrained by your expectations. When we say the Savior is on the way, I'm sure you have a picture in your mind of what that looks like, whether it's from the Left Behind series, rebuke that, talk to me later if you have questions, or if it's from your own imaginings of what that looks like when Jesus comes to be with us. We have some agenda or some vision, and Ryan talked about this last week. It's not about our agenda. It's about believing and trusting in what God has for us, and then walking in that faith. Yeah, come on now. So when I say the Savior is on the way, I need you to get rid of whatever agenda you have, and I need you to just trust and believe when He says, "I'm on the way. I'm, I'm coming." Yeah. It may not be in your timing. It may not be the way you expect it to, yeah, but when He says, "I'm on the way. I'm coming." About 90 years after Jesus was here, and he died and was resurrected, he left a message with uh, an apostle named John. John was, uh, was, was on this island of Patmos, isolated, and he got these revelations from God. He got these words from God, and, and Jesus said, hey, I want you to write these things down. In Revelations twenty two twenty, it says, I am coming, and this is a paraphrase, I am coming at any moment. Uh-huh. Get ready. Be ready, stay ready, because the Savior is on the way. Yeah. Amen. Now, that was not the first time that someone had been told, I'm coming, I'm on the way. It happened many years before Jesus arrived. Back in Isaiah, Isaiah um, 49, this prophet received a word from God as well. And yeah. we're going to get into that word in just a moment. Before we do... Let's pray. Holy God, Father, would you, would you wake us up to your reality? Yeah. God, help us to shake off the distortion we have about who we think we are. And help us to see ourselves rightly in relation to you. Help us to call on the name of your son, Jesus. And Jesus, we pray that you would save us. Help us to know that we need a Savior. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us in your words how we should respond? God, would you increase in this place and help us to decrease? Amen. Amen. I got to move. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah 49, verse 1. If you don't have your Bible with you, it's up on the screen. So this passage says, listen to me. All you in distant lands, pay attention. You who are far away, the Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory, I reply. But my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hands. I trust God for my reward. And now the Lord speaks. Listen here. The one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me. And my God has given me strength. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Yes, sir. Okay, so what does this all mean? Isaiah was a prophet. In the time of the prophets, the prophets of Israel were not, they don't get the shine that they they really should get, and they definitely didn't get it in their own time. The prophets were isolated. They sat really by themselves, and they were abrasive, and they were passionate, and they said these words that didn't make people feel so great about themselves. Because they challenged what people were doing. They challenged how people were living. And so when Isaiah writes these words, when Isaiah has these prophetic words given to him, they are speaking to the reality of the Israelites at the time. The Israelites had been beat up, they had been attacked, they had been taken captive, they had been essentially like what Cleveland had been. They had been last, they had been embarrassed. And so Isaiah writes these words to a nation that is seeking a savior. They want salvation. Do you need salvation today? Are you in a place where you're seeking? I just need a savior today. Isaiah writes these words to them. And the fact is his name means the Lord is salvation. So it's only appropriate that through Isaiah we would get these words that are about salvation. Isaiah is basically saying the savior is on the way. See, scholars have studied Isaiah's writings here, and they say that Jesus, or the Messiah, is actually speaking through Isaiah in this passage. And there's some discussion about where is he speaking, and when is he speaking, and what does this mean? But Isaiah wrote in a very poetic language and with much imagery. But the words that he wrote match up with the prophecies, with, with, with the way that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies. And there, so they say that Jesus is speaking through Isaiah in these words. And these words reveal the authority that Jesus had just with his words. He didn't need a sword. He didn't need a weapon. They reveal the authority that he had. They reveal that his purpose was already set apart by God before he was even on earth, before he was even a fetus in the womb of Mary. God's purpose for him, for Jesus, had already been established this far back. They reveal that God had a plan not just for the people of Israel, But for the whole world, for the multitude, the vast multitude, many nations that the Israelites themselves couldn't even imagine, they reveal God's purpose through Jesus. It was a great mystery at the time, and people didn't get it. And I feel like right now we're living within a great mystery, and we don't quite get it. We're living in the tension of what theologians call the already but not yet. Everybody say already but not yet. What does that mean? What are you trying to do? Don't Stop this wordplay. Just tell me what you're saying already. This means that we're living in the time after Jesus uh-huh. arrived on earth, uh-huh. lived, yeah. died, uh-huh. resurrected, yeah. left behind the Holy Spirit, allowed us to experience in the kingdom coming, right? Ooh. But we're not yet yeah. at the full consummation of what that means to be reunited back yeah. with God. So we're in this tension. We're in the midst of a tension. Do you feel that tension? Tell me you don't feel that tension. Somebody tell. I'm I'm not getting any kind of tension. I'm just walking around. It's all good. I have no tension. Zero tension, sir. Come on, stop lying. You feel that tension. Every day you wake up, you know there's a tension there. Something's not quite right, but you know it should be. And so we're in the midst of that tension. We're not living yet as God intended us to. The already, but not yet. So for many generations, how does this relate to this passage in Isaiah? For many generations, Isaiah was read. The scroll of Isaiah was read in temple. Because they knew that something was coming. Like I said, the Israelites had been beat up. They had been left aside. They had been disrespected. And they wanted something. They knew they needed to have that relationship back with God. And so this scroll of Isaiah, these words that we just read were constantly talked about in the temple. They would hear, and now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb to be a servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me. They would hear. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel. They would, what, restore? We're going to be restored? Awesome. They would hear those words, but they had an unclear and foggy picture of what that actually would look like. They had bits and pieces, but they didn't really know when or where or how it was going to happen. They didn't know the time or the place. Yes. Some 700 years after Isaiah wrote these words is when Jesus was born. Amen. 700 years in the temple, reading these words, the, the priests droning on, and the Lord. Like, I'm droning on sometimes. Like, you're hearing these words, but they're not really connecting because you can't fathom what the reality will actually be. And 700 years later, Jesus is born, and then guess what? Something amazing happens. All of Israel's restored and renewed, and we all ride off in the sunset, and it's all restored, right? That's how the story goes. Nope. He's born into a cave in obscurity to a couple that nobody even knows, to a teenage girl. To a nobody. And he's in there with some livestock. The king, the Messiah, the one we've been reading about for 700 years, this is the guy we're supposed to be waiting for. This is no LeBron James. Jeez. Come on now. This did not meet the people's expectations of the Messiah. They had their own agendas, they had their own thoughts. Jesus, you were supposed to come like this. You were supposed to do this. I was supposed to didn't meet their expectations. You ever have anything that didn't quite meet up your expectations? Yes. You're expecting it, you were so ready. I mean, it's Christmas, you probably have some expectations about what you're gonna get. Guaranteed it's not gonna meet your expectations. Maybe, some of you. I hope it meets my wife's. I love you, baby. <laughs> See, for me, it was the movie Frozen. How many of you have seen Frozen? Yes. How many of you remember how hyped that movie was? So hyped. Greatest movie Disney's ever made. The characters will amaze you. Olaf is really cute. I don't know if those were actually things that people said in promoting the movie, but that's how I felt in my mind. The movie Frozen was overblown. It was overhyped. I was, like, ready for this amazing, life-changing, life-transforming experience. And all I got was let it go. And it wasn't even that good. (laughs) Olaf was okay. He's kind of cute. I like his songs. The reindeer was awesome. Ate the carrots. That's fantastic. But this was no Lion King. This wasn't Aladdin. Come on now. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Changed your life? Yeah, right. You ever felt that way though? I had these expectations. They were right here, and I yeah, about right here. It's about where I landed. You ever felt that way? Oh <laughs> yeah. For many of you, there's a little voice right now saying, man, God hasn't really met my expectations. Jesus, you haven't really met my expectations. Savior, you have not met my expectations. When I was saved, I was expecting boom. But then I went back to work and work was still dull. What? Then I got back in my car and my car was still rusty. And Then I went back to my house and the AC turned off in the middle of summer. Are you kidding me? The Savior did not meet my expectations. Some of you are struggling through some things that are a little more serious. Man, I got this depression. I thought you were going to meet my expectations. I wasn't going to have depression anymore. Man, I thought I was going to beat this addiction, but ah, I'm still struggling with these things. Savior, you did not meet my expectations. I got these financial problems that I'm going through. And when I was saved, I was told these things were going to be, but, ah, man, my expectations have not been met. But in our doubt, we can look at passages like Acts 1-7 when Jesus tells His apostles, we keep asking, okay, Lord, you've died, you've rose, you've resurrected, you've done all these things, so now when are you going to, you know, free us and restore our kingdom? And Jesus says, look, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. The Father knows time. The Father is in charge of when things happen. And he knows when it's good for you. But you, but you, when you believe, will receive power in the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit falls on you. And you will be my witnesses. That's what he says. That's what he promises. He doesn't promise that your circumstance, your situation will will have those expectations that you have met. He promises that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will be his witnesses. You'll tell people about him everywhere. Your life will reflect the kingdom now. The Savior's on the way. This is the only agenda that matters, is that, man, I'm after the business of Jesus. I'm awaiting eagerly when he's going to come again, but I'm in this already but not yet tension, which means I now have to be his witness. I have to live my life in such a way that people are like, there's something different about you. And I want, I want that. Yes. We wait in hopeful anticipation, everybody say hopeful anticipation. anticipation. We wait in hopeful anticipation for the promised time where there will be no more crime. Yeah. There will be no more inequality, no more injustice, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more poverty, no more division. There will only be life and life eternal. There will only be worship and glory to God in the highest. We wait in hopeful anticipation for a time when there will be a renewal of old things. When we'll have our relationships that have been severed and and set apart. There may be somebody who you're thinking about that's like, man, there's never going to be any kind of reconciliation between me and them. We wait for a time when that Will not be so when we can reconcile with everybody who we are set apart from. Whoever politically we are against now, don't, it won't matter in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Whoever we think, that race, man, I don't get them, it doesn't matter in the kingdom of heaven. The Savior's on the way, He's going to redeem all things. Hallelujah. We wait in hopeful anticipation. And while we wait, we are His witnesses yes. here, there, and to the ends of the earth. We wait because the Savior's on the way. Do you believe? Do you believe that the Savior's on the way? And if so, do you believe that he has allowed the Holy Spirit to fall in such a way that you get to be his representative? He has entrusted you and empowered you by the Holy Spirit to be involved in the work of salvation. Do you understand that? Do you understand that your life is a part of the salvation that Jesus offers to us? Do you get that? I don't, there's weight in that. Y'all don't hear me. Do you understand that the way in which you live your life could actually bring salvation to someone else? Hallelujah. Glory. You are not salvation. Don't get me wrong. You are not the Savior. No. No, 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 I am not the Savior. Corey is not the Savior. But the way in which you live your life... Hallelujah can bring salvation to someone else. They can be oh, curious no. and say, I want that. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, come and save me. I want what that person has. Yeah. Mm. How you? you don't have to wait 700 years. Mm. You don't have to wait 2,000 years. You don't have to wait whatever yes. the time is. God is not constrained by time or expectations. God wants you now. The Savior is on the way, yes, in the future, but he is here now. The Savior is on the way sometime when we don't know, but you know what? By the Holy Spirit, he is here now. Yes. And so my challenge to you is if you don't know the Savior, if you are got that question inside of you, what is this about? I want you to start asking that question. Jesus, would you help me to need you? Jesus, would you save me? And if you say, you know what? I've been walking with Jesus. I've already saved. I already got saved back at church camp, which is where every good Christian gets saved, right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to come at you all. That's, where, that's part of my experience, right? But if you're like, I'm already walking with Jesus. What does this matter to me? Are you walking with Jesus in hopeful anticipation? Is your life causing others to know that the Savior's on the way? Hallelujah. Catch that? Is the way you're celebrating Christmas yeah. causing others to know that the Savior's on the way? Yeah. See, Isaiah spoke about all of these things in, in, in chapter 49, but he also said, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for you know that your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He's coming to save you. He said, For those who walk in darkness, they will see a great light. In chapter 9, verse 2. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Glory! Are you walking in that darkness of depression, anxiety, fear, insecurity, judgment, hypocrisy, unbelief? Do you need to see that light shine because you need to hear that message? The Savior is on the way. Hallelujah. He's coming, He's going to return. Glory! But He's also here now. So before we step into a time of response, I want you all to bow your heads and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to work on your hearts right now. I want you to ask the Savior, to ask Jesus to truly come in and rule as Lord over your heart, over your life. If you believe that that's what you've done, then I want you to ask God to push you I want you to ask God to make you walk in the way in which he has planned for you. Allow the Savior to rule over your life. Allow the Savior to shine through you so that other people, the community, circumstances, situations around you, would also be be able to experience the Savior. I'm going to read this last word as you have your heads bowed, and then I'm going to pray. See, in Revelations 2220, the last spoken words of Jesus in Scripture, it says he is the faithful witness to all these things. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And we say, amen, come Lord Jesus. Then he says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people.